I'm Nick Terzo, and you are listening to The Radical. My guests this week have put their solo careers aside to collaborate as a duo, and their new record-breaking points hits all the right notes. Bringing together their backgrounds steeped in music, this record mixes up a California 70s meets Nashville Americana vibe. Jay Jackson and Aubrey Sellers join me to chat about their influences, such as Emmylou Harris, transitioning from solo artists to a duo, solitary songwriting, and overcoming being introverted in order to perform to an audience. Coming up, my conversation with Jade Jackson and Aubrey Sellers. Hello, Jade, and hello, Aubrey. Hi. Thank you. And and you uh, tour. Your name is your last names. Jackson and Sellers is the name of the act or the band. Yes. <laughs> or the duo. What do I call you? Yeah, we're. I don't know. A, a duo. Yeah, I guess. But we're. We, you know, we still do our solo music. But this is like our coming together project, and we've had a lot of fun being able to do something with someone else. <laughs> That's fantastic. So the new record is called Breaking Point, um, and that's on Anti Records? That's right, yes. Nice. Is it, it's out now? It is out, yeah. We're yeah. so excited. We recorded it about a year ago, so... Uh, oh, you did? Good timing, like a year almost exactly. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. So you've been very... Pay- have you inched out singles then during that year, or, or did you yes, not? Yes, we did. We put out three songs, I think, before the record came out, so... Um, that was fun. Did a little music video and a little photo shoot and had, did the fun part. So no, but the real fun part is making the record. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. It's co-produced uh, with Ethan Ballinger. Is it Ballinger or Bollinger? Ballinger. Yeah. Ethan Ballinger. Ballinger. Yeah. He's been playing with me for a while and um, yeah. And Ethan and I co-produced the record together and he's an incredible guitar player and played guitar on the record and, and a really good, uh, musical vision as well. That's awesome. And can I ask you, as like, as a ancient, um, A&R executive, like I am, um, you know, we seldom would let anyone go kind of produce their own records or co-produce their record, you know, at, the, at least initially till they kind of got the hang of it. Um, what gave you the confidence to say, look, I can do this. I don't need you know, <laughs> I got this. Yeah. Um, well, I co-produced my last record too. Um, my solo record, my last solo record that came out in 2020 and, um, and I've co-produced an EP that I put out last year too. So yeah. Um, it's, you know, I like working with Ethan in particular, um, because we have a similar vision, so it works really easily, but, um, but I think I grew up um, around music. My stepdad's a producer and my dad produces. And, and so I grew up around three parents in the music business and just around it a lot and spent probably most of my life in the studio. So um, it's probably that that gave me some confidence in, in knowing at least a little bit how it works, but I still have much to learn. <laughs> I mean, did you do this kind of in the box or did you actually sh- remotely or did you actually show up in a studio and record? No, we um, showed up in the studio. So um, we actually recorded it at this brand new studio in East Nashville called The Cabin that Maddie Alger, who played drums on the record, opened. Um, and so that was super fun. And um, Jade and I, Jade can tell you a little bit about how we got together at first because initially we recorded a couple of demos in LA. <laughs> yeah, so 
I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but Aubrey and I crossed paths for the first time in 2019. We both played the same showcase at Americana Fest and since had been keeping tabs on each other. Um, I didn't know that she was following me on Instagram, Facebook and whatever, but I definitely was following her since I saw her perform that night. And with the pandemic and everything kind of shifting gears for everyone, I started gathering up songs to do my, you know, third solo project. And one of the songs that I wanted to put on that record, I just kept hearing really strong female harmonies on. Like I was visualizing like this specific sound and Aubrey came to the forefront of my mind. And so I just slid into her DMs and she messaged me back. And a few days later, I drove down to LA where she was living at the time, which was like three hours from my house at the time. And we kind of just hung out and clicked and she played me a couple songs. I played her a song. We ended up getting dinner. I ended up spending the night and we recorded those demos that night in one of her bedrooms. Um, um, and yeah, sent it to the label to just try and get them to fund one or two singles. And they asked us to do a, a record and three months later we had the record done. Yeah. So it all happened really quickly. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, you know, and it's, Interesting, because it's, you know, we all have the evils of social media that we all know and pound <laughs> our drums about. It's yeah, just exactly. interesting. It's interesting how, you know, these collaborations can actually form somewhat similarly. I mean, even totally. though you knew of each other outside of that, but it's interesting how you can kind of just reach out to someone. And You're right. I mean, maybe this never would have happened if it weren't for Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> really easy yeah. <laughs> yeah. and what's your like process as a duo i mean who um are you switching off lead vocals on each song how does your and in songwriting how do you guys collaborate yeah so um the reason we put out devil as an angel as the first singles because we kind of sing equally on that and we do that on a couple tracks i mean it's interesting we explored like not only singing harmony but singing in unison and we both sing on every track on the record but on the songs that we wrote um we take a little more of the lead on um so the ones that we wrote individually so like jade that's waste your time hush as you run um is that it yeah and then aubrey's like you know breaking point world is black fair weather yeah and then we did wound uh, wound up was the only song that we wrote together and that was a song i had uh started with ethan actually um and hadn't completed and wasn't really loving the lyrics that i had and uh i was like jade let's try writing this and it was really like the day or before we went to the studio yeah. or something and we were like let's rewrite this and it and it went really smoothly so we were like we need to write together more if we if we do any more uh music together but so yeah we kind of it's a combination of all of that yeah, we definitely would have done more collaborations if we had the time, but I was in California. She had just moved to Nashville. And so... We also had all these songs already that we yes. wanted to record. So we were like playing our catalogs kind of for each other and then being like, do you like any of these? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all. that's kind of a nice way to kick it off. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. How did you guys manage to kind of put together the anti thing so quickly then? You know, like I said, we, we sent the you know, the president of Anti, we sent him the two demos that we had done at Aubrey's, one of her bedrooms at her house in LA. And Jade is on Anti already. Yeah, I, I was on Anti, I put out a couple records with them before. And I was like, hey, we, you know, I want to do like this single with Aubrey Sellers. And they got back to us and asked us if we do 
10 songs and have it be a record. And so I, yes. I was like, uh, yeah, cause we kind of, we kind of already, I feel like in the time that we had got together and met up, we were showing each other bits and pieces of songs. So I think we both kind of knew that we had enough material and it wasn't like, Oh my God, we have to come up with all these songs in like a couple months. It was more like, Oh, we get to do these songs together. It just kind of like worked out. It just like was very smooth the way that it it's all really interesting. Out. Cause like people have asked us like what challenges we've had making this record. And we're like, honestly, not many, if any, because <laughs> we, we've had plenty of challenges in our solo careers and whatever else, but everything about this came together really easily. And it was like our little blessing, especially in the midst of, you know, all the tours being canceled and not knowing what, what was going to happen. We kind of got to have this, you know, blessing. And that's why we called it breaking point is because even though breaking point, the song uh, can be seen as a negative thing. We kind of saw it also as a positive thing, like this pandemic that destroyed our business kind of, this was our breaking point and our positive uh, thing that came out of it, you know? Right. And now having like, look, you called it a blessing having seen um, you know, both sides of the coin, being a solo artist and now kind of doing something where you have a collaborator, someone's got your back a little bit creatively. Um, what do you see now as, a, as far as your solo careers? I mean, do you like this better now? I will honestly 100% say that there, there's so much I like better about it. Um, I think, yeah, I'm introverted. I like sharing the stage with Jade. I think in, in another circumstance, it could be worse if you didn't get along as well as we did or didn't have, you know, we just get along really well. Have, even though we're not the same, we have, I don't know, we just have a similar. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel, feel, I also love sharing the stage with Aubrey and I just feel like it, I get to offer more, like my songs are enhanced by her vocals. And I think that the harmonies that we, we do with each other are, they add to the songs. So it's like, I could go out there and play those songs by myself, um, possibly had put them on my solo record. And I don't think it would be as exciting for me to share them. It, just it is. Like, yeah. Even if it's not more or less exciting for people to hear them, it, it's more exciting for us. I think a lot of time, that's why like my favorite song on the record is waste your time that Jade wrote, you know, I mean, it's like, we get to be fans of each other while playing. It makes it a lot more fun. And like you mm -hmm. said, we get to go through all this stuff together and it, it a lot of the time being an artist can be really lonely and um you get to literally split everything you know and yeah. then, like anything bad or anything good that happens you can celebrate or you can sue each other yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean like you know we, we still have our own solo stuff and you know we love that too but i have really enjoyed this that's awesome and so aubrey you touched on it a little bit with your family um being kind of in the music business in some ways. Um, so maybe Jade, you can jump into on this one, you know, who really inspired you to kind of decide to pursue a kind of music career? Me? <laughs> um, well, uh, Aubrey, you kind of touched on it. I don't know if there's more you wanted to add around that or. Yeah, if... yeah. Me, um, no, inspired me to pursue music career. Um, well, you know, there was a lot of pressure, I think for me, like, um, with parents who were successful in the industry, um, it, it made me feel like I couldn't go out and kind of practice without being judged. Um, and so I definitely, I think held off, maybe not even consciously, but subconsciously because of that. And, but I always was playing and writing in private. Um, you know, I remember even when I was little and people would ask me to sing, I would just be so shy. I couldn't do it. Um, 
And even when I started touring, I was having literal panic attacks, like terrible stage fright. And so it was a lot for me to get over. And, um, I, I did work through it after years of just forcing myself to do it. (laughs) Um, but I would say it was around age 20, 21 when I started going, "Mm, I'm going to start writing songs professionally and and really taking it seriously. And, and then it wasn't long after that, that I felt like I kind of had a direction and real realized where I wanted to go. And I guess I didn't want to force it. You know, I wanted to make sure that if I was going to do it, I, I knew what I wanted to do and had my own vision and sound. And so, um, that was, that was my path to getting there. Um, but Jade grew up in a, in California, different world. Yeah. I grew up in a different world whereas, you know, and I'm learning so much from Aubrey, you know, having, she'd grown up in this industry that I'd only ever really dreamed about being a part of, you know? And so she has a lot of really good insight and she's just a very strong force, like in her own path and like what she's doing musically, which is really inspiring to me. Um, Music for me uh, in my household in my childhood was, it was really just like the glue that held everything together. Like there was a lot of, you know, I feel like a lot of people can relate. Sometimes there's a lot of broken pieces of a home, but music was like the thing that calmed me down as a kid. It was constantly playing. I remember going to a friend's house in elementary school and they didn't have any music on at their house and to me, that meant something was wrong. So it just became <laughs> like this like safety blanket for me. And, you know, my dad was kind of in charge of playing the what was on the record player, and he loved Hank Williams and Johnny Cash. And so I just grew up getting soothed and comforted by these very sad songs. <laughs> um, and then they just became something that I loved. And when I was 13, I wrote my first song, and my dad was right there, like, pushing me, basically, basically pushing me out in front of people. Um, and I like put all my hair in my face and like stared at the floor and pretended I needed to le- read the lyrics off the floor, even though I'd memorized it because I didn't want to make <laughs> eye contact. And so it's kind of the same as Aubrey's just like by forcing myself to do it, do it, do it, do it. Um, it's not as scary anymore. And it definitely is wonderful having somebody else up there with me because even though I'm confident, maybe eight times out of 10 now when I perform, there's still those couple times where I feel like I'm for whatever reason, just not feeling good. And to have somebody up there with me makes it totally cool and fun and not scary. (laughs) And who are your kind of North stars? Like, um, as far as like influences, um, musically aside, you know, aside from your families or whatever, like which artists like really are your North stars when you were, you know, when the light bulb went off that this is really cool and this is something I want to pursue. Aubrey and I both, um, when we first started talking, we both agreed that like Emmy Lou Harris's song record, uh, Wrecking Ball was something that we both really, really liked. Um, and that's something I kind of discovered on my own. Like my dad had played like Graham Parsons and a little bit of Emmy Lou Harris, but I kind of dove into her, um, later on in life. And, uh, she's definitely somebody that I, she's a North star. And then, you know, even though my dad, you know, had the music that he liked and I just listened to it because that's what was playing. I never really strayed away from it. I feel like it's definitely like the building blocks of like where I stand creatively is still going to be like Hank Williams and George Jones and Aubrey, you know, relates in that too. He also kind of grew up listening to some rock and punk and um, had similarities and, and those musicians as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like she said, I grew up on traditional country and a lot of bluegrass and stuff, which I think is, um, was a huge influence on me. Um, and 
And Amy Lou was the reason I got my first guitar when I was 13. So yes, same there. Julie Miller, who we covered Devil's an Angel from, she's one of my favorite artists. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because two of my favorite records were collaboration records. And I didn't really make that connection until later. Um, I always viewed it as, you know, these two different sounds coming together. And so on my first uh, two records, that was kind of my goal was like to take all my influences and, and combine them. And so I loved Raising Sand with Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. And I loved the record that Jack White produced for Loretta Lynn, Van Lear Rose. Um, but then we made this record and I was like, well, this is a collaboration record, just like the one, my favorite records, you know? So, um, so I thought that was really cool. And I didn't really think about that until later. So, I mean, down the road, I mean, do you have touring plans now? Or are you kind of putting things together now that this is, I don't know, people are coming up with strategies to tour. Um, <laughs> what's, what's your strategy? <laughs> yeah. It's weird how it's still like in some places it seems totally normal and in other places not. I mean, so we had a tour that canceled this month. Um, so, you know, things are still obviously iffy. We, so we've been trying to focus on things we can control, you know, like we played a live stream show from the record or from the studio that we recorded the record at. Um, and then we played the Ryman a couple nights ago and we're, uh, planning a show possibly in December around the vinyl release. And so we're just, um, kind of taking it one day at a time and planning things that we know are not likely to be canceled. <laughs> right. That makes perfect sense. And is there... I just put this, I put most of these out to both of you because yeah. I want to hear both. Yeah. Um, is there any person or band or, uh, yeah, those would be the things or performer that you see yourself as being an opening act for that you would just die to open for? Oh my gosh. I, my dream would be Bruce Springsteen, but I already, when I had <laughs> my, my record deal, was like a long time ago and they asked me that, you know, they want me to be there excited that you're excited you just got signed and they're like all right i want like your top bands you want to tour them. like bruce springsteen they're like well sorry he only does like four hour shows and he never has no <laughs> we'll never get to open for him but, well, so, like, you're like i don't care i'll do it so i don't know he's just like <laughs> i'm surprised that when we talk about north stars he's like my per my and it's funny because i don't i'm not super familiar with his entire collection but like the the records that i have listened to of his are like my life jackets in the yeah. world you know <laughs> i'm obsessed with him um i don't know who else would be fun to tour with yeah i mean for me like i would love to play with more rock artists just because i haven't gotten mm -hmm. to so i mean like i said like jack white would be super awesome or oh, you know cool. um a band like i love france like the first franz ferdinand record and like mm -hmm. you know even people like the killers or i just think those would be were super fun tours yes. to be on um so yeah unfortunately right. your repertoire as we call it um you know, would allow you to stand up with a rock band and do just fine, right? I mean, you're not totally yeah. like some hippie country, Especially uh, this record, yeah. Cal California sound only. Yeah, there's been plenty of times when I've played like country festivals and things and have been way too <laughs> rock for them. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, play them devil as an angel and see how they, yeah, that'll <laughs> set them off. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Is there any career out there? I mean, like, where do you guys look? It's hard for me to say this because I know you want to pursue your solo careers also. But is there somewhere you, you guys see yourselves in the pantheon of careers in five to ten years? Like, where would you like to be? I'll let Jade speak for herself. But 
what do you mean by that pantheon of creation? Pantheon. pantheon. What does that I mean? mean? He just means like... It's, it's a compliment kind of in a way, like in the, in the whole scope and scale of the music business at the, you know, I'm trying to put you guys near the top of the pyramid, so... Uh. <laughs> what do you see for yourself career-wise in five to ten years, basically? Well, first of all, I love that word. I, I love <laughs> words, so every time I hear one, I don't understand I'm always going to like be the person who asks and looks like an <laughs> idiot, but I like, thank you for explaining. It's no, now- that's the smart person that does that. Not the, <laughs> not the- oh, thank you. Well, um, pretty much since I wrote my first song at 13 and connecting with my dad and performing, even though it was uncomfortable at first, I had like this weird gravitational pull, pull toward, uh, my musical career. And I, I can't predict what that's going to look like. I couldn't have predicted where I would be at now back then, but I just know that that's really the only thing I a hundred percent know that makes sense of why I would be here in the world. And not because I'm saying my stuff is so great or anything. It's just really the only thing that like gives me relief and makes me feel like I have purpose. So I think because of that, I've just, I just will keep go. I'll keep going until you know, until I die, pretty much. So I don't know, I die in ten years. But I mean, it would be really nice to like get to tour and tour bus. Whatever, yeah, just like whenever yeah. I die, that's the one it is. That's what it is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, everyone wants to play in front of a big audience. So you know, at least I, you know, I, I want to, I would love to travel on a tour bus instead of a van with five dudes. You know, but like, if that doesn't happen, it's not going to make me stop. Yeah. So hopefully, in five years, that will happen. But if it doesn't, it's all good. I'll still be the van. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, growing up around music, like we said, like, music is and will always be a huge part of my life. But I will say I have more of a, um, I don't know, I'm I'm a person of varied interests. I love uh, learning. That's, like, my number one personality trait is I love to learn. And so, um, and I like to have new experiences. So I will always be doing music, but likely doing other things as well. And, um, yeah. (laughs) Hmm. And I mean, do you feel like the performer part of this is like the, you know, that's your, your real passion and Aubrey, in your case, you know, you're producing and all that stuff and, you know, maybe look at songwriting and I mean, are all those components on the table or is performer kind of like, this is it, this is what we're doing? No, for me, for sure. I, I being in studio and creating music is my favorite part of it. So, um, that's the part that I would feel was really missing for me if I weren't making music, you know, um, I enjoy performing and I enjoy it even more with Jade, but that's not, I don't see myself as I never have seen myself as like an entertainer. Like that's, I'm not an extroverted personality. So that doesn't mean I can't be entertaining, but it, <laughs> but that's not the part of music that lights me up. Um, I don't know. Jade, I think sees herself as a songwriter, right? Yeah. That's what I always want to be. I never saw myself as a singer or performer. I love performing, uh, only because it can be the most difficult thing ever to do for me as per, as someone who's also an introvert like Aubrey. It's like when I'm having those anxious days and I have to play a show, I can't think of one other thing I want to do less. And in doing that, I get to grow as a person at a more rapid pace than if I was just doing something comfortable. So performing gets me out of my comfort comfort zone oftentimes, which I really truly believe is how I, and you know, I'm kind of obsessed with growing as a person. I know Aubrey is too. And, um, it just helps. So I love it in that way. But as far as like what really, you know, lights me up in the scope of things, if I could just like cherry pick one thing out of there, it would be songwriting. Um, it's my therapy process and it's also what 
I find the most interesting out of everything is just like the craftsmanship of a song and words and lyrics. It's just like, I love that the most. It's interesting what you said about um, like stage fright or whatever, performing being like a growing process because obviously that's true, but I feel like a lot of people say, or they say that like people's number one fear is public speaking. (laughs) And so it's kind of a similar thing. And I do think that having anxiety and being introverted and then overcoming that fear, even if it takes literal years of panic attacks, yeah. is, makes you feel like I can literally do anything now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Cause you're like, there isn't anything harder that we could have d- yeah. done like as a, for our personality, you know what I mean? So it's like, uh, so it is empowering because of that. Yeah. But what I find fascinating nowadays is, you know, touring was such a huge component of, you know, the nineties and the eighties and the seventies and, yeah. you know, and really building a career. And it feels like nowadays it's a little bit kind of less important in one way. I know income wise, it's important. Yeah, that's the thing is it's more important income wise, but it feels less important in all the other ways. <laughs> yeah. That's what's weird. Cause you could almost yeah. be an artist and hide yourself in your bedroom in the box, making music and exactly. not ever come out. So, exactly. so it's a weird juxtaposition kind of for artists today, I think. Um, for sure in that regard. Um, I was wondering, have you ever had a great piece of advice that came from another musician that you've received that, uh, registered? (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of my favorite bands is Lucero and I'm, my band got to open for them right before everything shut down. And there was this, I got sick on the tour. And so I went to the you know, ER and they put me on a bunch of steroids and I didn't know that steroids make you cry. They just make you ball your eyes out. It's common and like most doctors would warn you of this, but they just gave me a bunch of steroids. And so then I had to go perform and I just started crying and I wasn't even sad, but I couldn't stop crying. And all my songs were coming out and they were, I was up and all of a sudden in my peripheral vision, I saw Ben, who's the lead singer of Lucero standing there kind of staring at me. Like, do I need to go up there? Like, is she okay? I couldn't stop crying. I, I like briefly addressed it with the audience. Like, Hey guys, I just want to let you know, I'm not sad. I just took steroids and everyone's like, what the heck? And I more because I said the wrong thing. And then um, I walked off stage and uh, it wasn't like, you know, I don't remember exactly what he even said, but just that Ben, one of my heroes was just like, Hey, like I cried on stage before about this, or, you know, this is a normal thing to do. I think just like when musicians, when people that you look up to have had similar experiences and can like tell you that and tell you it's all good. And like the world keeps going. You don't know that. Or like, I didn't know that like as this artist, I consider myself, I'm still in hustle mode. And it feels like at times, like if I make one wrong decision, like everything's derailed. And so to have somebody who's, you know, been doing it a lot longer than me, tell me, no, that wasn't even a big deal. Like it's fine. Just keep on going. Um, as advice that I really appreciated. Yeah. I think, yeah. I don't know if I can think of any specific, like quote that anyone said to me, but I will say in general, I felt like encouragement to like embrace every part of myself. I think that's kind of what you're describing too from different artists of just like, no matter what happens, like don't be afraid to show yourself. And I've even seen people like Miranda Lambert cries, you know, I've heard with her and she cries during her sets Mm -hmm. fairly frequently when she gets choked up because we're sensitive people. We're artists. And like, yeah, uh, I think it's actually really boring if you're trying to like gloss over every part of your personality and turn into a robot person. So yeah. I think it's important <laughs> to remember to embrace all of yourself. No, that's 
That's good. Those are good advice. You know, that's very good advice and validation, you know, from someone who's doing what you do is really important. So um, I'm glad you've gotten some of that. Um, so having part of you based in Nashville, I mean, you're, you're somewhat Nashville centric. Um, and I know for women, Nashville's always kind of been its own challenge. So I just wanted to ask, like, what would you guys like to see most change? You ladies, excuse me, I shouldn't use the word guys. Um, <laughs> what would you like to see most change kind of in the music industry? Hmm. I've been thinking a lot, and this goes back to everything we were just talking about, but about how I wish that it were more catered to different personality types. Um, I mean, there's plenty of things I'd like to see change in the entertainment industry, but that is one of them. And like you said, um, you know, in a way you can just make music from your bedroom and never leave, but in a lot of ways, you know, it's still structured around like a label still expects you to tour, especially because for financial reasons, you know, so I would like to see people embrace more introverted qualities and uh, embrace uh, variety in how records are promoted and put out. Um, that's what I would like to see in this more kindness to the artist. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with her. I think she's really onto something there that a lot of us can relate to as artists. Cause you know, you meet artists being an artist, you play a showcase, you play here, you play there and you meet other people that are like-minded and most people are very insecure and uncomfortable. And as like a fan watching a show, you can't tell that cause they're performing but that's not necessarily who they are. That's just what they're doing for whatever reason. And so to, I don't know, for the industry to be able to cater more towards the sensitive person and not just like throw us out into the wolves and have us do all this like extroverted thing, you know? Yeah. And I think it's not, it, we can say like, Oh, it can sound kind of lighthearted, but on a deeper level, I think you see a lot of very sensitive introverted types of people having to live a lifestyle that is really hard, even for for people who aren't sensitive or introverted. Yeah. So, you know, you're constantly in new places. You're tired. You're, you know, um, and a lot of people end up turning to drugs and alcohol to cope with it. And, mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, um, not to get too serious, but I think it's a thing that people really need to address and really look into more instead of feeling, I think a lot of artists who being sensitive and empaths, we feel obligated to kind of do all these things to, for our team and all this stuff when uh, you also need to be taking your mental health into consideration. And look, you both are young, so you can't speak to, you know, prior to the advent of the iPhone. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and coupled with what you were just saying, I mean, is that for someone who's kind of sensitive and kind of requires kind of a certain energy, um, is that difficult to be in a room like where people always have these phones in front of their faces while you're performing? I mean, is that... It, I adds a, another layer of well now anything you do is going to be there forever almost you know like you, it's not anymore just oh i'll play the show and if it's imperfect it's it's okay because it was in that moment and everybody can feel the energy in the room and it's just very different than if somebody's watching it a, you know 10 years later on on youtube or something <laughs> you know what i mean so it, there is like this extra layer of weird pressure maybe or like and, and just kind of like like takes everyone out of the moment. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of that too. I think also just the pressure to um, now not just be a music artist anymore, but to have to be a, like a content factory and a stylist <laughs> artist and, um, and like do every job, you know, and it's, it's, it takes a lot of focus away from the creating of the music. 
Yeah, definitely. I feel like as far as people having cell phones in the crowd, it's pretty circumstantial. Like if it's like a big old room and it's packed and people are excited and the energy's good and people are filming, I'm like, yeah, they're filming. But if it's like a cafe <laughs> with like four people, which also I will do, and one person's looking <laughs> the whole time, then it's a completely different <laughs> feeling. But as far like I, I kind of grew up in um right, like my, my parents are not Amish, but they were like pretty much lived in the lifestyle of like you know, they garden for food and we didn't have cell phones and internet. And I, I didn't have an iPhone until I got signed or they were going to get one. And they were trying to walk me through Instagram. And I remember I was just crying. So I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> you share things with, and I was like, well, with who? And they're like, well, with anyone who's following you. And I was like, well, how, what if they don't know me or they don't get my sense of humor? Like I had such a hard time <laughs> understanding how this platform was supposed to help my music. I thought, oh, I just thought I was going to play songs and then it would work out. Maybe did for this person or that, but, um, I would say like, it's been hard. (laughs) TikTok or something is a good example because it's a newer one. Like, you know, I feel like there's this pressure, like from labels or things to be like, Hey, you know, you guys need to do this because this is what everyone else is doing. And if they're doing it, they're going to be, you know, more people are going to see their music and blah, blah, blah. And I get it. But also it's like, just because that's what other people are doing does that mean that's what they should be doing? Like, you know what I mean? Like, which brings us back to Aubrey's point about restructuring all of this. Yeah. Like just because, yeah, it's kind of getting caught up in a rat race almost. Um, just because other people are doing it doesn't mean you should be doing it. That's, that's mm-hmm. kind of my philosophy on it. And then that's where you come into like the philosophical arguments of like business and, and creativity mixing, because in, in a way they, they can lift each other up, but in many other ways, they do not fit together. <laughs> so you've got business people saying you need to do this. So creative people are saying, no. <laughs> yeah. Understood. Yeah. Um, and back to the songs. It's hard for me to do song stuff on here. Cause I, you know, I, I don't pay ASCAP or BMI license fees, so I can't play any music. So it, it you know, and I always feel like talking about songs is boring, like especially for an artist, because it's like, the you know the intent is in the song as I perform it. I don't want to talk it through. Thank you very much. Um, I, it's cool that you understand that. Yeah, you get it. <laughs> oh, I get it. So I do very little of that here, but I did want to touch on the world is black a little bit because um, it's a. <laughs> I think it's a pretty heavy song, and I thought it covered some of the stuff I was trying to say with people and their faces and the phones and all that stuff too. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Aubrey, did you write that one or Jay write that? I wrote that one and I actually wrote it before my first record um, and had recorded it in pre-production for my first record. And um, you mean before there was any COVID even? Yes. <laughs> wow. Well, you're like a sage. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, was saying, I saw it coming. <laughs> I wrote it probably in like seriously 2012 or 13. Um, and so uh, yeah. Um, I recorded in pre-production for my first record and, you know, on your first record, you have so many songs built up that you're like, you know, fighting to get the right combination. But I, I loved it and kept it around and, and was happy that I saved it for this because when I played it for Jade, she liked it. And I felt like it was the perfect place. And like you said, like the perfect time, it, it kind of was an even better time to put it out. <laughs> I love that one sonically when it starts off. It's just like, yes, like, <laughs> I'm in. I'm on the roller coaster. Already. <laughs> no, it's very well done. It's well produced for sure. So, um, so ladies, that's it. Um, Jay Jackson and Aubrey Sellers. Uh, new record is Breaking Point. They perform under the name of Jackson and Sellers, aside from their solo work. 
Um, and you guys should all grab this record or stream this record. It's uh, it's really, really fantastic. Thank you um, so much. Thank you both. Stay healthy. I look forward to seeing you uh, somewhere on the road. Yes, you too. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening. This show originates from the podcast capital, Austin, Texas. My producer is Sean O'Neill. Visit theradicalpot.com for updates and even some merchandise. Also, please subscribe at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I also ask that you please share episodes with your friends so we can continue to grow our community. See you all again next Friday.